Welcome to Surrey's Greener Future. In these podcasts, we will identify ways where each and every one of us can do our bit to make a difference. We will also keep you updated about a number of local projects supported by Surrey County Council, which are designed to improve the environment. Welcome to Episode 7, where we talk about the contribution from your library service to our greener future. I spoke with Annalisa Timbrell and Jenny Gale about a month before the coronavirus restrictions came into force. Although the physical libraries are currently shut, the e-book and e-audiobook services are still open. There is a link to the Surrey Library Service in the text that accompanies this podcast. I'm with Jen and Annalisa, and whilst we're talking, you may hear some noise from the building work that's taking place. And we're talking about why Surrey libraries are green. So give me a few thoughts. So I think one of the first things that libraries obviously encourage is the element of sharing. So each book doesn't just get read once, it gets read multiple times before it comes to the end of its life. So that element of kind of sharing culture, that multi-use kind of element of reading and, and books. And one of the other things related to books is that obviously we have to sometimes take books out of circulation or take them out of libraries to make space for new books. And the way in which we do that is kind of a closed loop kind of process. So we either sell old books to customers or we sell vintage books to make money for the service or any books that are too damaged to sell or that we can't sell are sent for pulping, which means that they're remade into cardboard. Um, so nothing ever goes to landfill in, in terms of that process, uh, which is really good. So anyone who kind of comes to the library to borrow books is supporting that kind of process as well. We're also always in the town centre or we're always sort of accessible. So, I mean, in some cases, I suppose you would drive to the library, but most of the time we're located where people can easily reach us on public transport. And going back to what Annalisa was saying about the sharing culture, we're looking at, we've been developing that a few, a little bit more in recent years. We'll see where that goes, but we have at Guildford Library something called the Library of Things. So those items that people buy, maybe use a couple of times and then store, as increasingly people are living in smaller spaces, they can get things from the library of things that they would use once, for example, stepladder, tools, games, things like that. You can actually borrow items of... It's mainly DIY equipment that are sort of bulky, heavy. And so you can just go up to the top floor, hidden away at the top of Guildford Library, is a, a set of the library of things. Oh, and it's growing... I would say yeah, we're continuing we're kind to of develop, introducing you know, more things all the time. Yeah. So you know, there's like things like tents, things you might use on a camping trip. That again, you only go once a year. So why would you want to kind of invest in those things? Yeah, I think there was talk of maybe a jigsaw at some point, it, but you have to be careful as to what you you loan. It has to be anything that could be dangerous. We have to be obviously yeah. very careful. With. We've got some good kitchen um, appliances oh, yes. as well. I think mm-hmm. isn't there? A, there's a cake mixer and uh, like a donut maker. Those times that you want to make a donut, but you only want to make a donut <laughs> once. There you go. That's that's the kind of great things that you can use there as well. And we so, have. Yeah. I mean, most of the larger libraries have a shop, 
So you can buy water bottles, containers, things like that that are are green and BPA-free, things like that. Yeah, a lot of those items are also made from plastic. So Mm -hmm. we sell uh, like cool bags, lunch bags, and those are made from plastic bottles as well. So again, it's kind of making use of those things that we already have and kind of reusing them. And in terms of all those things that we sell, all of our suppliers, we're trying to encourage them to remove plastic from the supply chain. So the water bottles were coming in plastic bag things. So we've encouraged our suppliers to kind of remove that element because we didn't feel like it was necessary. So all of our suppliers have committed to taking plastic out of their supply chain by the end of 2020. So that's really good. And that's something that we've kind of pushed. The same with all the greetings cards. And again, they're all kind of recyclable. And the packaging is either recyclable or that it doesn't come in any packaging anymore. So yeah, we're really thinking of ways that we can push on our suppliers to kind of do those things as well. The library of things, you must have some issues over making sure that they're safe or maintained properly. Do you have specialist staff for that? We're learning from the library of things. I mean, it was something that was started at a very, very small scale and it was just mainly for... DIY equipment and then people donated things to it so I mean people give things to the library of things and then we see if we can use them so it's sort of as a case-by-case basis the tent went missing for a while and eventually turned up we have to make sure that that's that's cleaned because that's been gone to a festival we have to make sure that it sort of comes back in a state that you can reloan it and have to make sure that certain things will be safety checked every time and of course that may be cumbersome so that's what I mean you know we're, we're learning from it. You do need to be a library member to obviously oh, yes, take part in that so obviously we have your details so you know if we're worried about the saw that you've taken away then you know we can get in contact with you or chase that and also for various things we'd get you to sign something to say that you know you accept defaults or the things that might go wrong with it or that kind of thing so yeah we're putting that kind of process in place to make sure that nothing goes wrong mm-hmm. throughout the process but if anyone is interested in that i mean it's worth just getting in touch with guildford library and um, it's the information service so you could just make an appointment and go up and have a look and many people do see what's on offer see what they can do and have a browse so yes it's the best way i think to experience the library of things is just to go up and have a look a really successful library of things somewhere in london i think it was camden or somewhere they've got one in the library service there as well and theirs has been really popular and they promote it really well i think we kind of need to promote ours a bit more and think about more kind of customer friendly ways for us to display it and and kind of advertise it to people so yeah a lot we can work on there i think so part of the greenness of libraries is the multiple use or the reuse of an item time after time. What is the library service doing to actually make its operation greener? I, th- I think a lot of library staff I've spoken to about you know this issue say, well, I think we're pretty good already, you know, because of the the whole ethos of, of sort of sharing. So that alone, there is sort of minimal wastage, and I think that a lot of staff are are, are very conscious environmentally anyway. The council as a whole has removed plastic cups from like water machines to try and encourage people to always kind of bring their own water bottle or to use a glass that was a council-wide policy in terms of how we're kind of running I think like Jen said we're already quite green in the the things that we offer to people I think we're trying to kind of reduce a lot more so really encourage people to staff especially to kind of really think about whether they need to print something off. Are you seeing a growth in the number of people who use libraries? No, but I think that we can encourage use in a different way. So 
obviously we kind of claim that the, the library service is 24 hours because you can obviously reserve books online and we also have a lot of e-resources that are available at any time of day and I think the use of kind of e-books and e-resources has gone up which is encouraging because obviously that in itself is sustainable because it means that we're not having to physically buy those things so for example we have a lot of e-magazines online so we haven't had physical magazines in libraries for quite a while but that kind of alternative way of accessing that information for free from your own home or from one of our libraries is a kind of really great way to kind of encourage people to think more about you know using resources online as opposed to always having the physical one. I mean what has gone up is uh, books that deal with I suppose, the environmental issues, be they people looking to connect more with nature, find out more about the climate crisis. The sales of those books have have really rocketed in the last year. I mean, markedly so. The bookseller did a a report about it. And of the digital magazines that we have available, that includes National Geographic, uh, Save Our Seas, and New Scientist. New Scientist has, over the last few years, focused more and more on climate science And so I think that that would, for those who are interested in that subject, it's certainly a very, very valuable resource. And so we are seeing an an increase in in the use of those things because if you have an account with RB Digital, our supplier, when you have a subscription, that magazine will automatically upload. So you don't have to go in every time to reserve that. It will, you'll just get a little notification that bang, the new one is available for you to read. So you can subscribe to that. So it's a very, very good, very, very green service. There's also been an increase in the sorts of books that are published that, like Jen was saying, that promote sustainability. So there's a lot of kind of zero waste books, you know, how to go zero waste or how to live a more sustainable life. All those books, you know, we always make sure that we order them. They're always really popular as well. And I think people that are reading those are thinking, oh, okay, actually, you know, getting this book from the library is possibly the most sustainable way to read this. Where do you see libraries going in the future? I think we'll have a better idea of that in a year's time. I think that there's changes certainly around the corner. We, we know that. And I think we know that more community engagement is the way we're going to survive, working more closely with communities. And you know, we know that working with people who are like-minded is, is, a, is a way to go. I mean, for example, you know, there's a reading list that we have of, of green books and that's sort of from rewilding to you know looking at how the world is going to be in 20 years. A list of books, and I've been engaging with some of the groups across Surrey, saying, this is our reading list, what else do you recommend? And so we're working more with, with those groups, but I think there's so many ways in which we can, we can do that. I mean, I've been in touch with some, some terror cycle groups and exploring ways we might be able to, to support those as libraries are such central locations, good places for people to meet. I think that is one of the ways in which we will we'll have to change and one of the most exciting ways that we're going to have to change. I think we're also looking at things like co-location. So, for example, some of our libraries are in buildings with other services. We have a, a library in Caterham Valley, which is also housed within the same building as the CAB, so the Citizens of Ice Bureau. And I think that co-location of multiple services is a really sustainable thing because it means you need to run fewer buildings to provide those services. And it also means that for people who need to make use of multiple services they can do that with just one visit so they don't have to drive somewhere else to do something else and they can just you know make that one visit once a week or once a month or however long it is they need to do it and I think that's something that we're really looking at for our buildings to make sure that when we're putting the lights on or putting the heating on we're not just doing it for library users we're doing it for multiple users of the same space which is sustainable I think so (laughs)
What are you doing in your own lives to become more sustainable and more environmentally friendly? Well, I'm, I'm quite privileged in that because when I was growing up, my family didn't have a car. I was brought up by people who were already sort of on, on that track. So for me, it's kind of a bit of a cheat because I don't feel that there's that much that I have to give up. But of course, everyone can always do more. So, you know, I'm trying to be more conscious about cutting back on, on food waste. And again, you know, libraries can certainly help provide information about that. And I cycle as much as I can. I'm about to get a new bike and that's very exciting. One of the things actually that I need to, I could improve on certainly is recycling those items that don't go into the curbside recycling. I've got a big bag at home of crisp packets that's mounting and mounting up because I know I can recycle them. But I haven't quite got around to doing it yet. One of the things that I've started doing is trying to get the bus more, especially to work. So I work in multiple locations across Surrey. Some of them are really easy to get to via public transport, some of them much less so, which kind of raises the question of the transport system within our whole country, I think. I've been going to kind of Guildford Library quite a lot, um, so I've been getting the bus when I go there, which does make me feel quite good when I do it. And I try and have as many days as possible where I don't use my car, and I'm trying to kind of track those days to make sure that I'm really thinking if I need to make that journey. I don't eat meat, and I've really reduced my dairy intake as well. There's quite a lot of arguments about whether the dairy meat industry is contributing quite a lot to emissions and that kind of thing. I'm trying to reduce my plastic as much as possible, so I try and support local businesses. There's quite a few kind of small stalls that have started cropping up in places like Woking and other places in Surrey where you can get your food refilled or your, your liquids refilled, so your washing up liquid. So I'm trying to do as much of that as possible. Still other things that I could be doing. So I've also been trying to give up the dairy, but I'm a tea addict. <laughs> I think one thing I could definitely do is turn out lights more often. I keep oh, hearing yeah. my grandma's voice in my head because she was that Second World War generation. And she told me how to make tea and actually measure out the amount of, fill the cup and then put that in the kettle so you'd have exactly the right amount of water. So I'm trying to kind of channel her a little bit more now so that I'm less wasteful with, with energy and things like that. So that's such an easy thing to do, to turn off switches. And I think that we know that statistically, if everyone was conscious like that, we'd save so much. And we're so used to being so wasteful with our energy and Plus yeah, you'd save so much yeah, money yeah, as well yeah, you know yeah, that's what yeah, i always yeah. think you know turn your thermostat down by one degree or something you'll, you'll save money and you know you have to have that in the back of your mind yes it's a win-win <laughs> scenario exactly. you Absolutely. Don't lose. <laughs> this podcast has been produced by the mr t podcast studio as part of surrey's greener future program Please use this material to help inform others.